Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Animism Listening to Land podcast. Once again, it's Phil and Nathan. We'd like to have a conversation with y'all today about acknowledgement. So Phil, I have a question for you. Excellent. I was um, curious about what are practices that you carry that kind of carry that label of this is a way of entering a landscape as an animist or this is an animistic way of engaging a landscape. So what are different examples that carry and hold that label? Ah, that's a good question. I, you know, I think that there are times when the, the way that I interact with the landscape as a way that I would label this as being an animist or this is animist practice is very spontaneous. Mm. And then there are other times when it's, it's more consciously chosen. And, and I think one of those like basic things is just land acknowledgement, mm. like a form of land acknowledgement. And what I mean by that for myself is that when I arrive to a place that I acknowledge that the landscape that I'm about to step out into or I'm walking on or I'm driving to is alive. It has intentionality, has awareness of me, has awareness of other beings on it and itself as a being and maybe even me as part of itself, right? Mm. Like all of those qualities. And so it might be a very simple thing. It might be saying, hello, I'm, I'm once again, back and I'm really grateful to be here or hello I've we've never met before like you and I went for a walk today at a uh, particular landscape I've never been to until my sort of quiet I, I didn't say this very much of this out loud I think I said a few words out loud but I said hi it's nice to meet you and I'm excited to get to know you and and to receive whatever beings you you send to us today and whatever relationship you know um whatever form of relationship you're going to encourage and allow us to experience today and so i often i will frame it in that way of sort of like greeting mm-hmm. right greeting and acknowledgement of aliveness and I'll, and often i will also frame some a request for gentleness or you know, also acknowledging that I want to move in a gentle way, in a non-harmful way, in a, in a way that honors and respects and appreciates yeah. the land. And so there are, there are those parts that are very consistently part of my land acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally speaking, I do this in my head. You know, I, I, do, I just, just take a moment and I just go quiet and I just say this in my head. Um, in part because I think sometimes it, you know, it, I still feel like I don't want to necessarily alienate myself or make myself feel uncomfortable or other people uncomfortable by doing this practice out loud. But also, sometimes that's not the issue. Sometimes it's just a matter of like, these are the most intimate conversations I have. And therefore, I want them to be my own. <laughs> I want to keep them to myself, you know, maybe slightly selfishly or, or just as an acknowledgement of specialness, right? Like yeah. I'm talking to 
the being or the beings that are most intimate to me. So I want to sort of keep it as private as I can. Yeah. Um, what about you? Well, I'm curious, um, when you're saying like that acknowledgement of the land, who, who is it you're acknowledging? Are you acknowledging like that inner species web that holds that space? Or is this like an entity that's, mm, I don't want to say separate from all of those beings, but right. maybe like kind of the, the source uh-huh. or the space for all of those beings. So I'm curious, yeah, is it that interconnectal web that you're addressing mm-hmm. or is it a, a different being, not beings, but a being? You know, that that's a really good question. And I feel like I have to confess that I try not to abstract the land. I try and treat the land as a living entity, a real entity. And I see an entity and it implies a sort of individuation, right? Like a single being, but really it's, it's a sense I have when I, you know, engage in this form of conversation. I have a bodily sense of, of a presence, right? Mm -hmm. Or presences, which I am labeling and sort of simplifying as this landscape or the land and um but i really try not to conceptualize it in sort of a forced way of like it's this little box with this number of trees in it and these birds and you know like it's much more a a felt experienced sort of interface it's very much alive for me rather than purely conceptualized and so like for instance my and I'll get, get around to telling some of my experience at Union Bay recently, but, you know, Union Bay is this presence that's uh, an old friend at this point. It's very familiar. And mm-hmm. and sometimes it almost has edges in my mind's eye mm. of, like, a singular being. And, yeah. and sometimes it doesn't. But, but the feeling of it, and that feeling also, you know, is in part smells and sounds and all these other like sensory involvement, bodily involvement plays into that feeling. Right. But, but there's this sense of presence that's familiar Mm. and I can say them or I can say the land or, you know, however I try and frame it. And words are so of course inadequate to express, you know, Mm -hmm. but you start to get kind of poetic and then, and then that, that's where, that's where the dance is, is as, as real and as accurate as it can be, right? Because, I mean, that describing that sort of richness of relationship naturally moves into the realm of poetry. Yeah. Right? I'm also curious about, um, do you think there's a difference in potency when you internalize that acknowledgement versus speaking it out loud to the landscape? That's a good question, and to say yes feels true, but but also I feel like there are times when I really feel called to to speak out loud, and that feels more potent and not just more real, but more appropriate in in a sense of like mm. being respectful right of like yeah. the proper protocol as if i was addressing an elder or a, a, you know a, a human that i really respected or 
any being that I really respected and I was trying to do it in a way that would be received respectfully. And then there are other times when it doesn't feel respectful for me to do it out loud. And I can't always tell you why, you know, like I said, sometimes it's a matter of like trying not to force my own experiences and beliefs on people around me. But a lot of times it's just a matter of just a subtle sense of what feels appropriate in that moment. Mm. And yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear more about your, you know, your answers to these, to these questions, especially like whether you feel that doing it internalized versus externalized out loud or internalized feels more valuable or more, Mm. uh, effective or more respectful or mm-hmm. you know, any of those things yeah well what rises up for me is like being an animist uh-huh. <laughs> being an animist if we're gonna label ourselves yeah, right? yeah. If, if we're gonna label ourselves <laughs> yeah could just say being alive but being an animist yeah. <laughs> um there's everything in my mind and in my experience has its physical place in a sensuous terrain uh-huh. and so even voicing that acknowledgement i from my perspective there's something about those vibrations leaving my body and leaving my mouth and then those vibrations of those words landing on the plants and the soils and mm-hmm. the beings there and that direct that direct sensuous experience that they have from my felt words and so, like, I often myself internalize that experience. Yeah. I don't always speak to it, although I, I must say that in the past I have always wanted to. I haven't always felt safe to do it, but I always want to verbally do mm. it. I don't always verbally do it, but that's my inclination is to want to do it. But what this conversation is bringing up for me is perhaps it's just the need for that vibration to go out. So even Uh if I'm feeling that, if I'm holding, internalizing that feeling inside and I just wave my hand to allow my hand to brush against the air, holding those feelings and allowing that air to then move out and roll over the landscape. Mm -hmm. So maybe the potency comes in some form of action, carrying those feelings, whether that be spoken word or bodily movement, just having some form of that movement to like branch out and weave into the landscape. Ah, yeah. See, I like that. And and actually, you're bringing up to my awareness that I do have a tendency to do certain physical actions when I'm doing these sorts of land acknowledgement and like land addressing, you know, communications. Like I'll tend to, if I'm walking, I'll tend to stop. I'll tend to open my hands up and put them mm. out, and I'll close my eyes, and I'll change my breathing so that I'm taking deep breaths and like really bringing my full consciousness to what I'm doing and I feel like when I put my body in that position and I relax that not only do I feel more open but I do feel like what I'm saying is leaving me in as you're saying like you're describing it as vibrations leaving your body in the form of out loud speech mm-hmm. and maybe I feel something similar in just the way I position myself and then breathe and mm-hmm. and I I am conscious of the fact that I'm sort of breathing my words out like prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Breathing my words out, even though it's not out loud. I'm, I'm aware that it's, uh, you know, we've, we're saying it's internalized, but in a way it's really not because 
you know, even when you talk to yourself in your head, right, you're actually making movements in your throat and with your tongue that are very quiet, but you're still kind of in a way verbalizing mm -hmm. and moving air. And so there is still a degree of that happening, yeah. you know, and, and, and whether doing it that way or, or doing it in, in a sort of more bold over out loud way is better or worse. I, I mean, I, that's kind of up to what feels appropriate in the moment and your own judgment. Totally. Right. But, but yeah, but no, I, I love that you bring our attention to that because you're right. Like there is something about that. There's a, a an inherent embodied desire to be heard right and to to acknowledge that in being heard it's it's an important part of that you know so if if in a in in the truest sense if it was purely internalized then it wouldn't really be as alive right totally it, well then there's also that uh, line of thought of being we find ourselves we ourselves are within an interior so our interiority is already inside another interior of right. the biosphere. Right. So even everything happening inside of us, mm -hmm. even if we label it as internalized or just being inside ourselves, yeah. is inherently being internalized by the earth as well. That's within true. Within the biosphere. Yeah. yeah. And even just that, that I really loved you bringing our attention to the breath. Because even as you think things or what have you, you're constantly breathing mm -hmm. so there's constantly an exchange of that that's happening with the sensuous train within this interior of this biosphere absolutely yeah i'm curious about um how acknowledging land in a very like overt way mm -hmm. um how does that shift uh shift in shape your experience in that land after post acknowledgement yeah i you know sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it's dramatic and overt and i would say consistently my experiences are much richer of that place when i take the time to do that acknowledgement when i take the time to say that form of prayer if you want to call it that or or just conversation and you know the most recent example is a story that we were chatting about earlier before we started this recording mm -hmm. of me going out to union bay this was like a week ago or so and and making the conscious choice when i stepped out of my car that every single step i would take on this land would be a form of acknowledgement like consciously every step mm, and beautiful. that you know every time I stepped I was acknowledging I was walking on a living being and I was saying thank you and I'm grateful and I was also saying I'm sorry because this land has really taken a beating you know in the last 100 200 years I mean it's literally like a restored dump site right that has turned into a, a wetland and a wildlife oasis, but but there's there's still this grief that needs to be acknowledged and this this pain that has been caused to the land and and that felt really important for me to not just to celebrate the good so to speak 
right? But also to, to say I'm sorry and take some responsibility for the impact that that land has experienced through human hands. And, and so I did bring my camera out that day and, and, you know, I walked very slowly. I, I really made a concerted effort in the few hours I was there to be conscious of my breathing, be conscious of my footsteps and really walk on the land as a living being, as if I was walking on the skin of a living being. And, and I felt that and I, you know, that was, it wasn't a matter of convincing myself, that was just a matter of bringing my attention to that experience, right? And after some period of time, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes or so of doing that, I had an amazing experience of finding an owl that was hidden in a thicket. And I think part of what changed in me through doing that experience was this tremendous sense of receptivity, mm. right? Like this openness to what was actually going on on the landscape rather than mostly being in conversation with myself as I'm walking around on the landscape. Yeah. That sounds like a subtle difference, but it's dramatic in how you experience. And so bringing my attention back again and again to like my footfalls and my breathing and acknowledging that I'm on a living being opened me up. Like you were saying to the greater inclusiveness of the biosphere, right? So there was this sense of like feeling more connected, feeling more open and there was more spaciousness for curiosity and there's more spaciousness for being in a timeless space, even though I was only there for a couple of hours. And there's something about the pressure of time in the way that we live, that time is very tyrannical, right? Like we're constantly under this force of, you know, minutes are clicking by and hours are ticking by and, and we have to be conscious of that. And of course, when we work our nine to five jobs, we, that's like just a constant thing and we wait for our lunch break. And, you know, so there's this relationship with time as being kind of a bully. And so in this experience and this way of acknowledging land, I felt like I also shifted into this different type of time in relationship to time. Right? Time was more fluid and it was less about feeling pressured to act or be somewhere or so that that's another layer of surrender and i end up finding this owl and with a great amount of respect and slowness i approached this owl i ended up sitting right underneath it literally 10 feet from this wild barred owl and they were taking a nap in the sun in the middle of this thicket and they acknowledged me and I acknowledged them and then I peacefully left and they didn't fly away. They didn't, you know, get disturbed. And then a short time later, I had an interaction with a hawk landing on the ground right in front of me, not 15 feet away. And I watched them catching a snake and killing a snake, eating it and going through this whole process, which lasted well, 15 or 20 minutes. And I literally had laid down in front of the hawk, not between 15 and 10 feet from this bird the whole time. They never showed any fear. They never tried to run away or take their prey and fly off and eat it somewhere else. They would, there was complete trust there. And 
once that hog ate, it flew up into a branch, and then short time later, same thing happened again with the same hawk. It caught a mouse right in front of me. And I had been going to this place for, you know, over 16 years, right? And I've seen lots of hawks, I've seen lots of birds. But because of the way that I acknowledged the land and I consciously chose my relationship from the first footstep I took out of my car door, the landscape acted differently. The beings there acted differently. I've never had a hawk in all those years land that close to me, show that much trust, and do it twice, right? Not just once, but twice. And the owl. I've never seen a barred owl there, you know, in all those years that I've been going there. So there's something to this, right? And and I think what it is 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 it doesn't have to be as complicated as we want to make it. Like, we don't have to turn it into... A religion necessarily this is just the benefits of living in a way that acknowledges other life and honors other life and suddenly being open to it and no longer feeling like we're the superior beings life responds yeah. in a very real way you know yeah. what comes to mind is like one not being it's just not rather than a religion it just strikes me as just being a good person yeah. Like any good thing to do when you're meeting someone new is to introduce yourself right. and for them to introduce themselves to you. And the the mental image that kept or that rose to my mind as you were sharing your story was <clears throat> it was like you went to a party and you knocked on the door and that land acknowledgement was introducing yourself to the host. Yeah. And the host gets to know you and they're like, oh, there are other people here that I know you'll connect with. So let me go introduce you. Right. So the <laughs> land guides you to the barn owl oh, the land guides that. you to the red tailed hawk. But it all started with that just being a good human and introducing yourself yes. and acknowledging that you were in their space. And the other thing I wanted to touch on was when you were going into that sense of timelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, there's this book, uh, Being Salmon, Being Human by Martin Lee Mueller, where he dissects an animistic experience of time mm. when he's talking about because time in our current culture is so much of this abstracted concept that we place and overlay into our sensory experience yes and just an example of the or how that diminishes our experiences like we just recently had daylight savings yeah and i've heard almost nearly every person i've talked to about it talks about how much it threw them off and threw off their schedules to suddenly like their relationship to time and schedule was wasn't shifted by the ecosystem and by the right. sun but was just shifted by this abstractness that threw off their body's sensing experience with the mm -hmm. land but he goes into speaking to indigenous and oral cultures and the example I'm going to use in this is like the peoples of the Pacific Northwest mm -hmm. and how their cycles of time were measured by the different species of salmon and their return up the creeks and rivers yeah. and then their descent back out into the ocean and then also by the rising of the tides and the lowering of the tides and of the moon cycles and the sun and where the moon and sun rise off the landscape and where they set like it was all of these sensuous beings just being themselves mm -hmm. was what spoke time and then after like going through this, Mueller poses this question of what if true time is simply the voices of the land singing themselves into being? And as oh. they sing themselves into being, it gives us a measurement of, oh, that song sparrow singing, the sun must be rising. Right. <laughs> or the Chinook salmon's coming up the river. That must mean, and they're 
I'm not going to speak to this accurately, but there are like correlations between like a certain salmon returning and meaning that it's the huckleberries are ripe for picking right. and like different examples of that, like this inner relationship of the beings and them singing themselves into being yes. is how time is measured. Right. And so like in that landscape, as you were there, like that sense of timelessness was, I feel like your direct sensory experience, just being with the land as it sung itself into a self-emergence, mm -hmm. like moment after moment, constantly birth, self-birthing in each moment. And you yourself were in that, you were a part of that. You were one of the voices singing yourself into being in the land. Right. That step of saying, I'm sorry, or I'm grateful as you were stepping, and yes. as you were just moving through that landscape, you were singing into the land just as the bay, as the red-tailed hawk, as the barred owl, as that garter snake, as all of them. Mm -hmm. You were just a member of the land. You were one of them. Right. And through that was just all this authentic, beautiful, like profoundly awesome connection. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm still blown away with the, the richness and the intimacy that I had in those few hours I was there. Mm -hmm. And it, it brings up a couple of things for me. I, I love I love how you just frame that and it makes me feel like I should remind myself and everybody listening that hours and minutes and seconds is a way of measuring time but it is not time itself right oh. and that's really important because I fall for that all the time and thinking like oh well you know it's a minute or it's an hour or I have 30 minutes or and it's like yeah but that's just a way of measuring time time itself is not you know a second long or 30 seconds long that's just that's just a way for us to frame things and so it's not crazy for a different culture to frame time in terms of moon cycles salmon runs bird song it's just a different way of framing time and i would say i would argue a much more natural way of being in relationship to time i really love that pun there <laughs> <laughs> much more natural much more natural yes um yeah and you know I feel like we could really dive even deeper into land acknowledgement and those forms of communication and and I'm sure you've you have your own versions of the story I just shared and I also just want to say that you know this this way of being this way of communicating is accessible to everybody right and that's that's the whole point of us doing this of sharing this is that you know it's not just about us like telling stories about our own experiences but it's also wanting to draw you in as the listeners to have your own experiences of these kinds and to to hear that the techniques we're using if you want to call them that are fairly straightforward you know, mm -hmm. it, they're fairly simple it's just a matter of trying to as you said earlier be a good person be a good human right like in 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 the full sense of the the word that in being human we also acknowledge that we're in relationship with the other than human, mm -hmm. with the wild beings. Yeah. I also like to speak to that that doesn't just mean like animals and plants and soils. Like I talk to my car all the time. Uh -huh. Like this last weekend, there was just a deep acknowledgement of how much, like how I wouldn't be able to do the work that I do. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to go to school. I wouldn't be able to live in the place that I live without right. my vehicle, without mm -hmm. Samson, Samson the Silver Surfer. And this nice. last weekend, I just had a moment with Samson where I was just like, I appreciate you so much mm. for all that you do for me. And I talk to 
I talk to the wood stove and give them gratitude for giving me warmth. Yeah. I talk to my bed and say like, oh, thank you for giving me a comfortable place to sleep. Like, you can talk to any beings because mm, something I was thinking about earlier today actually was, um, like, I think something that can be up for debate and up for argument is whether or not all beings have a spirit. But I think what's not up for debate is that all beings have an experience. And by having an experience and by providing us with an experience, there's value there. Right. Like, I, it's up for debate if my pillow has a spirit. Right. But what's <laughs> not up for debate is that my pillow has an experience and yes. gives me a space to rest my head. And for them, they do that for me. Yes. And I can offer them gratitude <clears throat> for doing that, for having an experience and for influencing my own experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it does really enrich your life to, to be in communication with all the beings around you. You know, I, I, of course, on this podcast tend to really emphasize the wild beings because, you know, I, my life journey has been one of like pursuing the study of the natural world and really trying to encourage people to reconnect with the natural world. But I appreciate you drawing our attention to arguably the, the things that we tend not to lump into that category. Right. Of mm -hmm. like, Yeah. Well, they carry this label of being inanimate. Uh -huh. Like that is a word that I've commonly heard used to describe them but they animate our lives in such a profound way. Right. Like this summer, um, I've had this coffee filter, like this backpacking French press that mm -hmm. I've had for so long and was gifted to me by someone I care about so deeply. And this summer, they broke. Oh no. They had a crack. They, I was cleaning, I, was, I started stepping into this practice of giving my coffee grounds to the land. Mm -hmm. um, and I was giving my coffee grounds to this cedar and there was just still some left in there. So I was banging them on the cedar to get the rest of it out, and then this giant crack just came in on their side. Oh, no. And then I was so sad about it, and, and without even thinking, I decided to, to try and make coffee with them. And then discovering that they this crack did not leak in the slightest. Oh. And it didn't start leaking until the summer ended when I was stopped sleeping in my hammock, when I was no longer camping full-time. Wow. So they it started to leak right in that time frame when I didn't quote unquote need them mm -hmm. anymore. And I just felt into like my depth of connection to this coffee, French backpacking, fresh press and how they actually continued to animate my life even after theirs had started to come to an end. Yeah. And they continued to animate my life until I was in a place where I no longer quote unquote needed them. And through that whole story, there's just a feeling like, yeah, I have this deep care for them, but it also feels like they have a deep care for me and mm -hmm. taking care of me and having this sensuous experience together. Yeah. Yeah. You make me think of a couple of things worth mentioning. One is that a lot of oral cultures that speak of animacy really speak of animacy as being anything that can be interacted with that can form you can form a relationship with so mm -hmm. it's not you know so like the idea of being in relationship with your coffee filter isn't absurd at all and what's also really interesting to me is that in a culture 
that is, you know, literally violently consumerist, right? Like mm -hmm. literally we're so obsessed with consumerism. If we take time to acknowledge relationship with the quote unquote objects in our life, all of a sudden their value changes tremendously, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't go through stuff as rapidly because you take time to appreciate it. And there's something really powerful about that. So even if to somebody else, the idea of being in, you know, in that sort of conversation with a coffee filter sounds funny in some way, if you stop to consider what the implication actually is, which is respect and honor, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And honoring life in general, like even yeah. to the point of considering that that coffee filter, all of the parts, even though they're technically man-made, quote unquote, all of them came from the land. Absolutely. Right. Like there is there's nothing on this planet that's man-made that isn't in some form coming from the land, no matter how changed it is. So there's still a reason for respect. There's still oh. a reason for acknowledgement. Yeah. Right. And actually, like the first time that I stepped into that uh, relationship with them consciously came in a moment when I was giving them back to the person who gave them to me. Hmm. And when I was going to give them back, all this, all this emotion <laughs> rose up in me and I got caught so off guard. <laughs> and it was actually That's right great. here, like in this, in this cabin, yeah. in this space, when I was giving them and I asked the person, I was like, can I have a moment to say goodbye? And they were just kind of a little bit like, yeah, like, okay. And I came and sat where you're sitting right now. And I just held them. And all of a sudden I just started bawling. Whoa. I was crying so deeply and I was looking at them. And then that, the acknowledgement that came through is like, you're the first being I interact with every morning. Like yeah. every morning, you're the first being that my conscious, like I consciously interact with. Of course you could say that like me getting out of bed, me raising my head from my pillow, like I'm interacting with those yeah. beings, but it's not as conscious mm -hmm. as it is when I'm making that coffee. Mm -hmm. And when I stepped into this realization, like I started crying even more, yeah. feeling even more overwhelmed with emotion. And then my friend who was witnessing all of this was like, you should just keep them. Like, you should keep them. And I was like, I had this like hopeful look, like, really? Like, thank you. Yeah. And, but I feel like in part, it was that depth of acknowledgement like yeah. come, come wrapping it back around to acknowledging these beings and acknowledging the land and acknowledge just acknowledgement that it was through that acknowledgement that I was able to step into such a depth of relationship with them. And I, actually, I don't know if that's necessarily true because there was that depth of relationship there mm. is what led me to the acknowledgement. Honestly. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a linear process of acknowledgement to depth of relationship. Mm -hmm. It can be it can go either way in like a circular fashion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I just reflect on how your coffee filter also has a ritualized relationship with you because making coffee is a ritual, right? It's this like mm. conscious practice of going through certain steps and having to be attentive to them and and you do it again and again and again and, and it's part of your day and, and and then generally speaking has a very positive impact on your day. Yeah. And, and I think it, it sounds ridiculously simple to say that like, Oh yeah, well, you know, I make coffee every morning, but that is a form of a relationship, 
right? Absolutely. And and for you, especially since you have done it so mindfully, like that is a potent relationship mm-hmm. to have. Mm-hmm. You know? It's really just kind of it just really brings back to me how much acknowledgement and acknowledgement of our relationships and what beings or which beings I should say yeah. we are in relationship with by acknowledging our relationship it just it makes us feel full it makes us feel just our life is so much more deep and complex and richly layered right when we acknowledge the relationships that we have and yeah. our, our find ourselves in absolutely yeah and it's you know my my story of land acknowledgement and your story of the coffee filter are really just you know facets of the same larger experience of life and mm-hmm. and yeah and i i think it would be fun to challenge our listeners to find a being or if you still consider them an object either a being or an object or or some part of your life so it could be a landscape it could be your car it could be your coffee filter and take time to acknowledge them mm-hmm. take the time to honor your relationship to them what they provide to you also maybe what they're made of their components and all of the different life or lives that went into them yeah like what that brings up for me is that acknowledgement, like because it's a backpacking coffee uh-huh. French press, but they're made of plastic, and so there's this acknowledgement too that they are so ancient. Right. They may not have always been in this form and only been in this form very recently, but all of the molecules and atoms and elements that compose them are ancient, and maybe yes. even were dinosaurs for right. all we know. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think that's a that's a potent, potent practice. So let's let's do that. This will be our our version of the sacred question in this <laughs> this episode. Is um, for all you listeners, go ahead and take that challenge on. Mm-hmm. Take how long shall we do it for? A day? A week? Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's really up to y'all. Yeah, I mean, to you could you could do it in a way of like the recognition an acknowledgement of a relationship to a specific being mm-hmm. for maybe five days in a row, like different ways that they animate your life mm-hmm. or maybe finding a different being or object, no being <laughs> every yes. day, um, a different being every day that animates your life in a more complete way and do that for like a week or yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you can also choose to do this with, and or do this with a landscape somewhere nearby. It could be your, the land where you're sleeping. It could be the land where you walk. It could be the land where your work is or your school or, or a green space that is in some way meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. But to, to try and do something similar to what I did with my experience at Union Bay is that show up there, get out of your form of transportation be it car bus bike whatever or even if you're on foot and take time to pause and breathe and consciously acknowledge that land 
yeah all the beings there and and also your relationship and consider doing you know some some similar form of expression of gratitude gratitude is so powerful and also an acknowledgement of maybe some grief as well i think grief is really important and it doesn't need to necessarily be avoided i think all the landscapes on the planet right now have in some ways been you know altered or affected by humans and it's really important for us to acknowledge that yeah and own that mm-hmm. and there's power in that there's tremendous power in saying i'm sorry yeah so what i'm hearing here is a challenge of acknowledging a place being or beings and acknowledging what gratitude arises from that yes and also what grief arises from that yeah. and all centered around that 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 theme of acknowledgement mm-hmm. of giving them your attention in that way yes i'd also like to provide um a, another way of acknowledgement one mm-hmm. that i recently stepped into like, okay about Let's a week ago i was coming home and felt called to go walk in the woods on the other side of the street in those lands that yeah special lands and i was on the phone with someone while i did this mm. and so like i parked got out of the car and still talking took a moment to be in that acknowledgement and then i kept walking and i was just talking on the phone having uh talking to these kids beautiful kids it was very silly it was great yeah. but then something arose where they had to, they had to go and so i hung up and but now as i'm walking in this land i felt i felt myself just in that spirit of conversation Mm -hmm. of wanting to be in conversation so then as i was walking i started to acknowledge every being i was passing and then after a moment it was like this is so much yeah yeah. (laughs) so i started acknowledging like the first of a species Mm. every time i cross paths with Mm -hmm. them so and then in this coming up like i started speaking to this cedar and then to these agaric mushrooms and i was walking and i found myself starting to talk in a voice like Mm. a totally different tone Uh like the best example of this was um when i came across and i was doing this for maybe about a hundred paces at this point Uh when i came into relationship with the first cascara on that land that revealed themselves and i was just like oh cascara how wonderful (laughs) to see you to make your acquaintance i have yet to meet any of your kin and that's how i was talking like the whole time yeah and but i was just greeting every being and just acknowledging them like hello cedar yes salal it's good to see you my friend and just keep (laughs) going and there's this point where a song sparrow heard me coming up and they perched up into one of the alder trees and they alarmed at me Mm. and i was about maybe six seven feet away from them and i was like oh my song sparrow friend like i'm so sorry to have disturbed you i just wish i just wish to pass through here and be on my way i don't mean you any harm at all and the song sparrow just looks at me and they cocked their head to the side like what (laughs) this is weird to me it was almost a sense of like it's been a while since a human has talked to me yeah and with me rather than about me right and I passed, I came even closer to them until I was like three, four feet away. And they didn't move from that perch as I kept walking towards them and then passed right by them. And that whole span, they just didn't alarm at me. Mm -hmm. And they stayed in the spot where they were at my eye level. Like they, I could have just reached out and grabbed them. I could have predated on them, but through that language and acknowledgement of them, that acknowledgement, I am in their space Mm. and that acknowledgement that I mean, I mean no harm to them all through just acknowledging this being, we were able to just be with each other very fluidly. Mm -hmm. And 
that whole walk, I was just acknowledging beings and talking in a funny voice. And I felt myself just so alive. Yeah. So alive moving through that land and just by conversating simply by introducing myself and acknowledging the beings that were there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's, I love that you brought that up because I think there's something sacred to silliness too. Mm. And, and, uh, often when we talk about animism and things like that, we have not always, but somewhat of a somber tone or just like, you know, and, and we don't have to. And, and absolutely, you know, there's a lot of play and there's a lot of excitement and there's a lot of silliness and there's, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. And even in my experiences with the hawk and the owl, like I, as I was leaving the owl, I ended up, ended up falling knee deep into the swamp as I was trying to respectfully like inch away. Yeah. And the owl just kind of looked at me with one eye and turned its head away. Like, Oh God. You know? <laughs> so I mean, yeah, you know, there's, yeah. there's lots of reasons to, to bring sacred silliness into, into our, even our land acknowledgement. Absolutely. Yeah, for and sure. I feel like that grief really rises up because if you admit to having an animistic experience and if you admit to that all of the other beings also have an animistic experience mm -hmm. that inherently brings about like we have been stripping away sovereignty we have been stripping away the right to live we have yeah. been stripping away freedom right. from so many different beings for centuries even yeah. millennia and so that does rise up a lot of grief yes but these beings I feel also hold silliness oh, yeah. and are incredibly silly. Oh, yeah. Like even to, uh, well, like, you know, one of my mantras is, uh, silliness is sacred too. Yes. And like that was totally, that mantra was birthed from an interaction with the Raven where right. I totally felt like this Raven was laughing at me and I got to laugh at myself because <laughs> this Raven was laughing at me. And then in that moment, it just became clear. Yeah. Silliness is sacred too. Totally. Well, I, it reminds me of our first, well, first interaction we got back from town today and I opened the car and there's a raven flying by and it called and I called back and it like called as if it was correcting me. Like, no, like this. <laughs> we both just kind of chuckled. And yeah. Like, yep. Still got to work on my, my raven diction. Yeah. So, it's yeah. funny because my story was a, a raven diction story as well. It was. Yeah. It was that, uh, the moment where. I was out in Montana Canyon on a, a vision fast and these two ravens came out from this area every morning around the same time. Mm. At that point, I didn't have times of by the same marking of the sun in the sky. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and on the second morning when they came out and they were calling, I decided to do my raven call at them. Uh -huh. And then one of them barrel rolled away from the other towards me and then did my call that I made at me. And I just had this feeling like, you're mocking me. Yeah. Like, you're totally mocking me right now. And yeah. it was, I just started rolling with laughter. Oh, that's great. And it's interesting that, like, ravens, there's a theme of them bringing in that silliness. Oh, yeah. And feeling that call to acknowledge raven. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I love the magic and silliness that they bring. And that's why, temporarily, I chose the raven skull as our emblem for the podcast. Mm -hmm. I, yeah something about them that's always always potent <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah and there's also something to be said too like we were speaking to this earlier just how this exact species of raven that we're having interactions with like our ancestors in western europe 
also have been in having yep, interactions. That's with. right. And so there's just a potency there. And excuse me, I want to correct Eastern Europe and Western Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, uh, it's really fascinating to think about how these beings have shaped our ancestors' cultures, their language, mm -hmm. their ways of thinking, you know, in ways that we are just beginning to barely perceive and acknowledge culturally. Yeah. And yeah, it's great. It's great fun to think about. And it's just fun to interact with ravens. They're, <laughs> they're just fun beings. That is. That is indeed. Well, that's a good note to wrap on, I think. Yeah. Acknowledgement and silliness. Silliness. It's all tied together. Excellent. Well, I, I hope you all lovely listeners have enjoyed this episode and remember our challenge for you. And pretty soon we're going to have a new website up for the podcast, so keep your eyes out for that. And thank you once again for listening. Yeah. And as always, I'd like to offer gratitude to the space that's holding us for giving this recording. I want to offer my gratitude to this cabin holding us the first podcast recorded here in a while so that yes. feels really good yes and also as always you beautiful recorder just doing awesome things making this possible i appreciate you very deeply and phil thank you so much spending time it's been a wonderful day it's been an incredible evening yes and, and i'm very thank grateful you. yes and thank you to our friend mutual friend chris for allowing us to borrow this recorder as well without him we would be without a high quality recorder so totally. thank you chris yeah. and gratitude to steve on that note for for mastering our our yeah. podcast tracks yeah thank you steve and thank you to all of our friends and family who have supported us in this process too so on that note until next time <laughs>